I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Part of the L Network. We are a bunch of wild and crazy Cleveland Browns fans. Bring you all the latest in Browns news. Tune in. Oh, yeah, we're still rocking. It's the Fanatical Elf Show. And, yeah, I screwed up on the introduction, but this is the actual. I know. (laughs) Damn it. All right. We are the Fanatical Elves. And, boy, are you all in for a treat tonight. If you you say damn it on the air. Well, I just did. So I hope. I know. He just did. So. Um, So, folks, we got everybody in the house minus uh, the Browns Blitz, Rod Bloom. But we have the Village Elliot. We have. We're we are the Brady Bunch. We have Steve Gill, we have Sam Britton, and we have Joel Cade, all Howdy. part of our network. And love that you're all here on this Thursday night. We have a huge game ahead of us against the Baltimore Ravens. Welcome everybody. How's everybody doing this evening? Go around the room and, and introduce yourselves and welcome. Start with the uh, the left guard who's never here on Thursday nights. Hi, I'm Joel. I'm a, I'm a footballaholic. Um, yeah. Hi, Joel. Hi. Good you guys idea. should listen to What the Elf Was That? It's a pretty good show, and I hear the Cleveland Brownie acts are pretty good, too. So check that stuff out. Awesome stuff. Love it. Sam, how you doing over there in Dallas? Good. I'm chilling out. Still kind of happy that the Rangers won the World Series. Congratulations. I got to go to right. the parade. It was a really huh? bad parade. It was not very good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still, it's nice. It's cooler now. It's not 115 degrees every single day. So that's a big positive. I get to wear oh. a long sleeve clothes. 
I bet baseball is awkward in Texas, isn't it? I mean, like, (laughs) better than the Astros. The Astros are awkward. Well, I think baseball as a whole is awkward in Texas. Like, they don't know what to do with baseball. Well, I mean, I clearly we know how to win because we've won three World Series in the past. <laughs> Look at that! Ooh. Oh, Ooh. I like it. I like I it. I think Sam cheaters. just brought cheaters. Fastball. <laughs> well, we can talk about cheating in the University of that state up north, but um, Steve oh. Gill, how are you? You really want to talk about that? <laughs> uh, I'm doing great. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Still. Uh, uh just still excited about the last uh browns victory i know i know a lot of people have been poo-pooing it because it was just the arizona cardinals but it was still a uh quite of a defensive achievement if you really want to yeah well we're going to talk about really was so uh and we're finally getting rain here uh in nashville we've been under a severe drought for a month and we finally oh, get a little rain tonight. So, oh, that's nice. Go yeah. out. My, 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 it's funny. My wife um, is out um, in Kansas City this today, and she's helping out at her job out there uh, for the over the weekend. And um, she flew into Kansas, and you know, I lived in Wichita for 26 years. And, um, and Sam, you probably know this down in Texas a little bit. It can be. Uh, if it doesn't rain and whatnot, and it gets pretty dry and brown and ugly. And she was saying how when they flew into Kansas City, how uh, there was there was no green. <laughs> like, it was all brown and dust. I said, yeah, that's that's pretty much par for the course when you get out to the prairie. But um, with that, hello, Village Elliot. Hi there, Johnny. <laughs> well, I'm having a great time. Um <laughs> I, by the way, I, as you well know, I started a new podcast called The Oracle Speaks, where I talk about football, what might happen in the future. And I usually try to back it up with numbers and analysis rather than just feelings like, oh, I think this team wants to win more than the other. I don't believe that. I usually want to have some numbers and some logical rationale why things are going to happen in the future. And that's why I'm writing more often than other people. Hey, Elliot, did you get a chance to apply for that uh, nuclear waste internship in Pequa? I mean, we could really use you up here. Well, I did look for stuff like that, but I didn't find that they were hiring anybody at the present time. I did apply at First Energy. Okay. Um, oh, they got some you know, nuclear waste. Yeah. Well, they that's, that's more up reactors. north, though. They operate nuclear reactors in the state of Ohio, and I believe I'm they do. qualified to do certain jobs hey. in the nuclear industry. Elliot, uh, Village Elliot, I wanted to give you a little uh, a promo here. If you wanted to share out, I know you've shared this out on your um, other shows this week about the Xenia Browns backers. You want to give people the info on that if they're listening? That's right. Yeah. You can come to the um, the BW3. Um, they're opening a new restaurant in Xenia next to Walmart, and they're having their first party. Uh, for the Browns versus Ravens game. So uh, everybody in Southwest Ohio is invited. Just show up and have a good time, and I'm looking forward to it. So I'll see you. That's great. And, Steve, will you be at your Browns backers down there in Tennessee? No, not this weekend. Uh, Okay. I only go like maybe two or three times a year. Uh, Okay. I prefer my own bathroom and my own refrigerator. Right, right. Yes, you learn that as you get older. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. In that order. 
So no, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> that is very true. It's usually refrigerator bathroom. Um, so let's get into this talk in this week. The Browns and, and the uh, the Ravens, the Ratbirds, are on tap. Um, we are going to cover it a little bit more after the break. We'll go a little bit more in-depth as far as where we're looking at positional uh, battles. I know um, the Village Village has some graphics we love the show and i know you've shown them a little bit on the brownie x and heard that with you in the left guard earlier today but um you know pretty quiet week uh all in all for the brownies and uh there are some injuries out there marquise goodwin has a uh, concussion anybody else out there that you've been hearing about i know jedrick will sounds like he's going to be out kind of long term but well, could maybe the, make uh... it back yeah steve only six weeks. Uh, okay. Uh, Dewan Jones and David Bell practice on the side today. Uh, Pierre Strong, Greg Newsom, and David Nadoku took part in practice yeah. today. So that's a good for Newsom. Okay. With, uh, Cam Mitchell also going on IR, which shocked me. And also, Pierre Strong. Uh, like to see a lot more of him. Well, that's what I want to talk about first. So I know I've heard you guys talk about in the other shows, Pierre Strong, and uh, I heard the left guard uh, mention this on the Browniacs earlier today about how his image of, and Joel, if you want to elaborate on this, or Steve, or any of you, <laughs> Pierre Strong, like, you know, using Pierre Strong and Kareem Hunt as your one-two sort of backs, and then throwing in Jerome Ford, who's hot garbage, according to Joel um, in, the, in the run game. Uh, so let's get into this because I think we all agree. I think that Pierre strong and many other fans beyond us are saying the same thing. You know, we were thinking that maybe we'd see a little bit more Pierre last week. We ended up not that much as maybe thought some had hoped or thought going into that game. Where, where do you think this is going to lead to in this Baltimore game and just thoughts there? Let's start. Steve, with you or Joel, I know you talked about Jerome as being hot garbage, and I tend to agree in some degree. So, Steve, go yeah, ahead. The metric, yeah, the metrics on uh, Jerome Ford, he's the fourth least efficient running back in the NFL. And on uh, time behind the, uh, off, uh, the uh, line of scrimmage, he's number one at 3.15 seconds. You're not mm. going to get very far in the NFL with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I mean, right now he's jitterbugging and mm. looking for the hole. Um, I had an old NFL coach, uh, old coach tell me once that college runs that uh, a running back in college can get 15, 20 yards, but the same run in the NFL would be two to three yards. Because really? the NFL running back has to hit before the line opens. Look at Nick Chubb. Right. I mean, he his vision is just outstanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you see a little bit more of that with Pierre Strong. I Diet mean, Coke. he's got Diet Coke, sponsored by Diet Coke. Yeah, sponsored but by anyway, Diet Coke. He's, he's got he's got great vision and anticipation. That's why I want to see more of Pierre Strong. We also want to promote Reese's Pieces right here. So, and thanks for following the Fanatical Elves Network. We love our Reese's Pieces. Okay, back to the show. Um, what are you, Mike Myers? And <laughs> oh, I fell over. <laughs> right? Okay. No, so that that your take on that with Jerome Ford. I just love that analogy and the way you described that earlier, 
on the What the Elf show, and then you talked a little bit about it in the Broniacs about about the old. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. I mean, some, yeah, it hit me the other day that that Jerome Ford is pretty much Isaiah Crowell 2.0, and <laughs> I give him the upgrade to 2.0, and I mentioned this somewhere. The upgrade to 2.0 because. I believe Jerome Ford is faster and is a better pass catcher than Isaiah Crowell is. And smarter. I mean, (laughs) Isaiah Crowell, I'm just going to leave it there. So the issue with Jerome Ford, and I'm shocked at this stat. I've got to pull it up, the least efficient running backs. I was shocked that the NFL found, or PFF found, three other running backs least efficient, less efficient than (laughs) than Jerome Ford. I am too. Like, where (laughs) did you find these people? The issue I have with Jerome Ford is the exact same issue I have with Isaiah Crowell. It's that it's not the pin and pulls. It's not the defined running through the two hole, four hole, six hole, whatever that is. If he knows exactly where he's running the ball and gets a three yard head start because he's lined up seven yards off the line of scrimmage, he can be fantastic. Okay. We saw that in Indianapolis, the power off tackle he took for the touchdown. Okay. That that's the good part of Jerome Ford. The bad part of Jerome Ford is that he plays the outside zone like he's a sixth grader in my Pee Wee football league. I mean, <laughs> you, you like like Steve said, the holes are not what you think they are in college, okay? You're going to have to anticipate the hole, see it going on, and then hit the hole. Right. He's not seeing the hole. Either he's not looking in the right place or he's not seeing the <laughs> hole, and when he doesn't see the hole or doesn't feel comfortable with the hole, he tries to run around his blocks, which is a stupid idea because once you run around an offensive lineman, all you have left is a defensive lineman to tackle you, and he's mm. running backward to do it. So mm. that equates for the time behind the line of scrimmage, all this kind of stuff, which leads to when you give him the ball on first down, you know, second and 15, which we saw three right. or four times. That has happened so yeah. many times. It's, yeah. just, it's just completely wrongheaded to give him – the ball on an outside zone play you're just asking for a negative play now sam you you uh were talking to joel off off air or in text earlier today uh you want to counter any of that because you know the left guard can kind of come at it strong you know with that opinion hey we're mm-hmm. on podcast man we got to make it we got to give people reason yeah to listen. And then Village Elliot, you can be the heir of reason here in a minute <laughs> sam i would do battle with my colleague Sam, what, what's up? <laughs> I agree somewhat. Yes, he is pretty inefficient, but I, he's strong. And I think that's something that is very helpful. I think even if the hole does start to close on him, he is capable of kind of shedding a tackle and continuing to push. And I mm-hmm. think the strength is something that is very helpful with him is that he is capable of, even if he finds the hole a little late or is a bit slow, yeah. he's capable of still pushing for an extra yard or two because of his strength. I Sam, I remember the play against San Francisco late in that game, the 49ers when the when the Browns were driving to get that go ahead field goal. There was a really nice run that kind of I'm thinking of from him that he took what 17, 15, 17 yards. He it was a nice, you know, blocking scheme for the Browns and and he it really put the Browns in a really excellent position then just to kick the chip shot, you know, field goal at that point. But I you know, we see some of these longer runs from Jerome, like you were going back to uh, Joel. And um, then you see these runs where he runs sideways and you're like, what the hell? Just go get a, find the, find the lane and go find that gap. 
and push. And like Steve, you and I've talked about, you know, we were, I don't know if it was you that were talking about this, but with Kareem Hunt, that, you know, Kareem's just always moving forward. And um, he's always getting that extra yard or two. Um, And I think, Joel, you even said in your podcast, he falls (laughs) forward. And I think, you know, that's where we really miss Nick. Um, But we're not going to see Nick. But still, this Browns running game is doing pretty decently considering, you know, and I went back and looked at all the games and how many rushing yards that they've had individually as a group. I mean, they're regularly what 150 to 160 yards. So, yeah, yeah. Sam, what do you think? um, Do you think this idea of how the Browns use the running backs? How would you like to see it? Well, I kind of chatted about it in my podcast uh, yesterday, and I think they are handling it pretty well. I think Jerome Ford is doing his job pretty well. I think Kareem Hunt has also. I mean, last year, Kareem Hunt was not very good. And I think this year yeah. now, he's he's definitely shown that he still has something left in the tank. Yeah. And I think the way they're handling it is pretty good. I do think I wish I wish we could see Strong a little bit more, Pierre, a little mm-hmm. bit more. I think he is a talented running back who has a future. But mm-hmm. I think right now, but like I said in my podcast, there's very there's very finite amount of running back snaps in general. And mm-hmm. it's very rare that the third running back is getting any sort of significant amount of running back snaps. Mm-hmm. And so I think mm-hmm. if he can manage to prove himself and move up maybe to the two, maybe when Hunt leaves or something, I think that is when he yeah. will really start to show how good he can actually be. Yeah, because that's a good point because, you know, Kareem's probably going to like be gone. I mean, unless there's, yeah, I think that's a good observation there. Very good. Um, Village Elliot, where, where you stand with all of this? You've heard all these other takes. <laughs> Well, yeah, first of all, I want to say this, that I've been, I was whining all off season that the Browns did not have a running back room. And by that, I mean that the running back room consists of four running backs. And, um, you know, and I, and basically I lost every argument You know, uh, one of the uh, you know, more famous uh, writers whose name I won't mention Saying, well, look, they've got Nick Chubb. <laughs> me? Are you talking about me? No, oh, no, no, you, no. I know nobody about. in this room. Now, don't make me identify who it is out of politeness. I'm not identifying who it is. You know, but they have Nick Chubb, and we know that uh, Jerome Ford is a good athlete because he did a really fine job on kick returns for the Browns last season. And I agreed with that, but I said kick returns <laughs> is not the same as um you know, running the ball out of the backfield. And even if it is, those are only two bodies you need to have four. So anyway, so I was unhappy that the Browns were neglecting the possibility of injury to either of those two individuals. You need to have four people. And, um, you know, it turns out that there, there are some problems with Jerome Ford, but overall he's done, uh, you know, what do you expect from a backup? He's not a number one running back. And he, yeah, he has had problems, but he has uh, done enough that he's on a trajectory that would take him to a thousand yards from scrimmage by the end of the season. That's not okay. terrible. One other thing yeah. I want to mention, though, is that Dearness sure. Johnson did kind of the same thing, except that what we gave credit to Dearness Johnson for is that, yeah. oh, look at. Dearness Johnson is really using his blockers well. He's a very patient runner, very intelligent runner, 
and the Browns line is opening up holes and he's then running through them. I'm not saying that that's uh, what's going on uh, all the time with Jerome Ford, but I think there is some possibility that that's part of his motivation. The problem is that the Browns offensive line is not opening up as many holes as Dearness Johnson got. Well, let me ask you that. Part of that is being caught by the Browns coaching staff. Well, let me ask you specifically about that because what was so funny to me when I was at the game last on Sunday, when we're talking about the garbage stuff, um, Joel, you were mentioning about Jerome Ford. Here's what I'm getting at on that one, that specific play where Jerome Ford, we all can maybe look back think back about it where he ran basically sideways and he, he couldn't get a hole, right? That was like in the, it was in the second half, as I recall. And I remember where I was sitting in the stands, I, I was pissed off with Jerome Ford saying, gosh, you know, and that, and right as that happened, the guys in front of me were like, oh, that's the offensive line's fault. And then right after that, Joel texts right after that play and says, oh, Jerome Ford's hot garbage. It was just so funny because it's like <laughs> you had two contracts on the same play. You know, I had these knuckleheads in front of me saying, you know, oh, that's the line. And I'm like, it's the line because Jerome Ford can't make a decision. And the line, you know, had it. But so I guess that's where how much is it then? And like Elliot from, is that on the line? I mean, I no, I don't... it's not. It's not on the line when he he does uh, stuff like where he attempts to actually reverse his field. The problem that he had perhaps is that early in the game, early in the season, he actually reversed his field in a college style run, and I think he had a seventy nine yard run or something like that, and it it actually worked. It, it never works in yeah. the NFL, but in this particular case, I remember, it yeah. did work. And yeah. I think it put in his mind that, oh, I can reverse my field and, you know, reel off a long run. And that sort of uh, taught him the wrong way. And, yeah. um, okay. you know, it's, it's not <laughs> it's not going to work like that in the NFL, dude. Um, uh, me, and I think he's kind yeah. of finding that out. But, there, you know, there there are things that, he needs to be taught. He needs to learn. I don't, I don't know if I think that he's hot garbage, but he does have some bad habits that need to be corrected. And I think he, what he wants to do is to use his offensive line correctly, and he's not really getting it uh, at this point. But this okay. is his first year as an NFL running back. Last season, you'll recall, he only had like six carries for 12 yards or yeah. something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Let me um let's change some gears here because I know we're we're gonna uh spin in uh, with Jerome. You know, hopefully he'll have a good game and hopefully Pierre Strong will get some more time. I want to yeah. talk Pierre, a little Pierre bit. Pierre has done what done better and he should get a get a chance we, to play. Yeah. He hasn't we, done anything wrong. We're gonna let's talk <laughs> a little bit about the I want to specifically talk a little bit about the defense, but more Miles Garrett because Earlier in the week, I was watching some little takes on ESPN and some of the other NFL network, and they were doing some of these silly mid-year things about MVPs, you know, for the NFL. And there are all these people talking about various players. They were even talking about C.J. Stroud uh, in the mix. But one of the guys picked, you know, T.J. Watt. Um, There was no discussion of Miles Garrett. And I just wanted kind of everyone's takes right now because there's been a lot of conversation about Miles and most of it's been really positive and 
how he seems to be like really buying into this whole team concept and even recognizing and not getting sold on plays and getting smarter even as a, as a player, as he's aged um, your takes on miles. I, I don't know if I consider him an MVP of the NFL, but I always think that he's gets slighted. Um, you know, TJ Watt is just a nice name. People like to throw him around and say, Oh, he's great. But I, 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 I like miles Garrett on my team. So uh, just your, takes and do you think miles should be in the conversation at this point midway through as being an mvp candidate or is that just unrealistic um anybody want to start yes yes go (laughs) (laughs) all right so you know elliot knows because we've been talking about miles garrett for a while this whole entire offseason he has been a very athletic player and and when he was coming out of the draft my concern was that he was going to come into the NFL and just try to use his athleticism to beat up on people like he has mm-hmm. in high school and college and that's pretty much what he's done under Greg Williams under mm-hmm. Joe Woods it's just kind of come out and said I'm Miles Garrett stop me now this year we've seen a different Miles Garrett he's been able to think a little bit about what's on the field I think one point he answered a question to Mary Kay Cabot was that he was more logical about the way he was doing things. And uh, one play in particular stands out. Um, I think it was this past week where uh, he rushed right past an offensive tackle. Now the normal past miles Garrett would have just ran right at the quarterback. The quarterback throws the ball over his head. They get uh-huh. the screenplay 15 yards, right? This time miles Garrett stops because something triggered in his head. Like, Oh, that was too easy. Something else is happening here. Not just me rushing the passer. He stands there, waits for the ball to get thrown, jumps up, knocks it down, end of play. That's the difference between past Miles Garrett and this year's Miles Garrett. He also is doing what I call the Michael Jordan effect. When Michael Jordan was young in the league, he tried to sit there and do it all by himself. He'd go hmm. in there and run to the basket like LeBron James and all these NBA players do nowadays. Yeah. But then Miles or Michael Jordan figured out that if I play in the triangle offense and pass the ball mm-hmm. and set teammates up, then yep. we all succeed. And I think part of Miles Garrett's success running around the edge and doing his pass rushing is he's now learning that the quarterback will step up. And then somebody like name Shelby Harris, tackle, Shelby Harris, and Delvin Tomlinson, Delvin Tomlinson, 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 Tomlinson going to get some sacks, going to get some yeah. sacks because now they're playing as a unit and not the Miles Garrett show. That's mm-hmm. what that looks like. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I just love, you know, Steve or Sam, any, what, any well, thoughts? Let me, on let me, hold on, let me, let me finish that up. Yeah. There. To say yes to the answer is he's now elevating the play of everyone else around him on a defense. Absolutely. And because he's elevating the defensive line, that elevates the defensive backfield because now they're getting more opportunities that Tid passes, yep. Eric passes, yep. things like that. So he is elevating that entire defense so mvp candidate yes defensive player of the year candidate yes is it a numbers game can can you (laughs) can we blitz to the left side and force the quarterback to roll out right so miles garrett can pick up trash no that's not what's going on okay okay that's what they Hmm. do in pittsburgh yeah steve um a little early for this kind of stuff i know i hate it when they do it uh defensive player of the year yeah, sure. I, th- I think he's definitely a candidate for that. MVP, yeah. I-, I wish he was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he he de- definitely deserves it. Yeah. Uh, I You know, he would have to just go on a tear here for the rest of the season for him sure. to win that. But, yeah, he deserves to be mentioned. In yeah. That. Sam, what are your takes on, on, on Miles? 
the fact that Miles Garrett is still getting better is a scary thought. <laughs> the fact yeah. that he can still get better. Yeah. The thing Good about <laughs> um, most valuable player, I don't think he's going to win it unless he goes crazy. The the thing about it is it's most valuable. It's always yeah. going to be either a quarterback or it's going to be always be a quarterback because they are the most valuable position. So I'm, right. I don't think he's going to win MVP. I think he might get considered. He might get a few votes maybe. But I think the whole quarterback and it being the most important position is kind of going to yeah. make that tough. But I think he's going to win defensive player of the year if he continues he this. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Elliot. Well, first of all, I've got nothing bad to say about TJ Watt. If people want to talk about giving awards to him, I have no problem with that. <laughs> um, I don't really get into, you know, the off season awards and stuff to me is more about winning football games at this point. And then at the end of the season, well, if you don't care that we should just give it to miles, man. Okay. Back to you. Well, of course, but I, <laughs> I mean, but I, I really think that, you know, these discussions are very premature. Sure. Um, but uh, but I think that um, uh, it's I agree that it's unlikely that a defensive player will ever get uh, right. the MVP award. And I think defensive player of the year is a much more realistic possibility. And I, I like think you know, that uh, Miles and TJ Watt and Micah Parsons and maybe a few others will all get, uh, you know, very high consideration sure. for those awards. And um, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be thinking about them. You know, we can talk about it if we want. Yeah, we're going to tell Miles Garrett yeah. has not been talking about awards this year as opposed to last year. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I um a uh, couple things. Um, just before we go to, we're going to pause here for a break on the Fanatic Owls uh, show here. But I do want to, you know, see, see. We're talking about CJ. Just mentioned CJ Stroud. I didn't. I haven't looked at his stats specifically, but I I saw something today like 20 touchdowns and one interception or something so far, like, dude, like he, that's fantastic. Like when he mm-hmm. was at Ohio state, I was like, I thought he was pretty good, but he, he made some mistakes at Ohio state. And right now he's got the Houston Texans, a four and four team, and they're going to be a tough out when the Browns play them later this season. Uh, they play him uh, in Houston in December. Yeah, I know. That game in Houston is going to be a little different than it was last year when Deshaun Watson made his return to the NFL in Houston. And we got bailed out by DPJ running back a punt return to spark the Browns in that game. That's going to be a really interesting Actually, game. Actually, we'll we got bailed out. Actually, we got bailed out by Tony Fields, but it's oh, neither here true. or there. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's too bad. It's too bad we didn't get the the Texans the first game of the season and CJ Stroud's first start. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking bad, of the Ravens. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's Speaking pause. Let's pause for a break, and we're going to come back and talk all about the Ravens, those damn rat birds. We'll be right back. This is the Fanatical Elves Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. 
you rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. We're back on the Fanatical wow. Elves show. Um, do you like those commercials? I I just Love I them. I want to again say you know again fans and those of you who are watching us. Oh, somebody changed their background. Where did that come from? I'm messing with it. Look at you. I like it. So um, we're, you know, we've been talking off air and our, our group here and most of the guys are here and Rod Bloom does his Browns blitz also um, with his brother, Jeff. We can't thank enough to all the people that are listening, that follow us, that watch us on either the Twitter here or on YouTube or download us on Apple or Spotify. We We started this project back in April. We've been at it for what seven months now and um our downloads are going berserk and that thanks to the oracle speaks it's thanks to the what the elf was that it thanks to the dog pound south uh show it's thanks to uh sam and his browns breakdowns and the browns blitz and the johnny cleveland show and the browns rocking show we got all these shows we're trying to bring that to you every every uh week and uh we got a lot going into this uh, rat birds game um Let's just start with the I fact that the Browns are, I think, six-point underdogs going into this game. They got pretty much um, toasted, uh, but there's reasons for that. And I know, like, Joel, you talked about it in your show a little bit about the the key plays and the uh, keying in on, you know, how the Browns were on defense were overreactive to some of that, which caused some of these things in that first game. So the Browns go into Baltimore. It's going to be an uphill battle. They're already underdogs. When you start looking at all the projections by all the people on the national networks, no one's given us a chance. Um, I think we definitely have a chance. I think that even that game against Baltimore that we originally played, we we threw out DTR out there, and uh, we'll have Deshaun back. And uh, I just I think it's going to be a great game. Um, anxious to hear what your takes are initially. Let's just kind of go around the room. Uh, let's start, uh, Steve, with you. Kind of go around the room, and then we'll get into Elliot's. Um, maybe we'll go. We'll talk to Steve, Sam, and uh, the left guard, and then um, maybe we can show your uh, graphics. Then uh, the village, Elliot, if you want to do that after that. So, Steve, what, where are you where are you at right now with this game on Sunday? Well, um, I think the first game was a little bit of a. Of, uh, um little weird <laughs> yeah. considering that uh, DTR was thrown out there uh, after finding out he was going to start 
what hour and a half, two hours before the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at that game. Uh, did the Ravens really beat up on us? Well, they only had, I think, 294 total yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Browns uh, on seven of their 12 possessions forced them to to three and out. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got 14 mm-hmm. points off of turnovers. I mean, right. the first two possessions were three and out. Then DTR throws an interception and play later. It's seven to nothing Ravens. Mm-hmm. Um, right now they are uh, playing extremely well, but I heard a, a, a reporter from Baltimore who covers them today on a radio program. And he was, he didn't sound like they were some kind of juggernaut. He was like, well, you know, you never know what you're going to get one week. It's this and one week it's that. And, you know, you really you watch them play and you, you don't feel comfortable with the way they're playing. And so, you know, everybody has crowned them already. And mm-hmm. I, I've got a weird little tidbit stat that I found. Oh, boy, I like since it. Nine, I like your weird. Since the 1970 merger, okay. um, the Browns have the number one defense and the Ravens have the number two defense. So when basically the two... Browns have the number one defense. Yes, <laughs> they do. The weird stat is the number one defense when it plays the number two defense is 11 and one since 1970. So, so I'm that's going not with good. Is that not good? Is that good for Wait, we're the number one defense. That's and good. Ravens we're the number one defense. Or the oh. number two when yeah, since 1970, oh. when the number one defense faces the number two defense, the now, number one defense in the league is 11 and one. So I'm going as, with that. I that's like that stat. Hill, that's, I'm going to die. On. That's not as good as the one you gave us the week when they played the 49ers when you said that Jim Schwartz was like 10 and one against the 49ers head coach, which that gave me a lot more promise. But, um, Hey, 11 and uh, 1. Come on. Yeah, Sam, let's hear what are your takes on the Ravens these days? <coughs> They're a good team. They're a very, very good team. I but I think we do have a chance. I think the Browns defense is good enough that it can limit the people like Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews and uh all the players that other teams have not been able yeah. to limit. I think it's the offense. I think the I think especially considering the Ravens have a really, really good defense. If this offense can't because right this whole year they have not been very consistent on actually doing very well and so yeah. if this offense can actually figure itself out i think we definitely have a chance but if we have another lackluster game from watson or, mm-hmm. or something like that i think it's it's going to be a, it's going to be an uphill battle true i was i was um looking at statistics of some of the browns offensive players like david njoku and amari cooper and i got it i'm writing a little article on amari uh today and um the kid that that guy mr cooper is been um such a solid professional and um just goes about his business and just had a fantastic couple um plays last week with deshaun watson and uh, you know he's he's gonna have another great great season another year where you know um just he's helped this team out and considering you know we've lost nick chubb considering we lost jack conklin considering you know that that kid and some of the other guys have continued to play play tough. So, um, Joel, you and the Ravens, your Ravens hate. We love your Ravens hate on the What the Elf show. I got I got a lot of Ravens hate to go around here. Um, I think everybody stole most of my thunder, but 
I really think the the key here is just to move the football. I mean, I'm going to echo what Samuel yeah. says: move mm-hmm. the football. Mm-hmm. And if you can get somebody to move the football, then you're going to be okay because that keeps your defense off the field and it keeps them fresh. This is literally what the Ravens are doing right now because their offense uh, is. I'm going to use the term again. Their offense is is close to hot garbage. It really is. <laughs> um, it has the virtue of not having been seen by the NFC, which helps them a lot. Uh, that's how they right. can go beat up on NFC teams. And, you know, they, they're air raid beginning of the year. Now they're back to just running the football. Right. I heard they don't know takes. what they're going to be doing. Yeah. It it's it's very much a Jekyll and so, Hyde situation. So how are we the Browns then? Tell me in your opinion, you guys and Elliot, we're gonna oh, come have, to you here in just a minute. How my question though is how do you get the Browns offense, Sam and all everybody that you tell me, how do we get the Browns offense to move the ball in this game on Sunday? Well, I'll stay out of uh Stay out of uh, second and sevens and third and sevens. So, so or, don't, I mean, Jerome you got to convert. Or I was second and Joel's going to say, don't give Jerome Ford the ball. I already said it. <laughs> exactly. I already said I mean, it. You know, I was going to say Ideally, it if you're you going to be on third down, uh, okay. let's hope it's third and two or third and one. I mean, but yeah, uh, yeah you got to convert. You got to hold on to the ball. No turnovers. Work the clock. Uh, and mix up the run with the short pass with the occasional deep bomb to Amari yeah. Cooper, you know, quick slant. You can do the screenplay has been working well. I don't know how it's going to work against Baltimore. They're two middle mm-hmm. linebackers are the best in the league, but we'll find out. I think yeah. the, the biggest key for the Browns offense is to change all of their signals. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. When you got one hardball doing it, who says it's not the other one? I mean, my God, what was it like to grow up in that house? Like both of them have the same bunch of cheaters, damn cheaters. That's what they are. A bunch of of damn cheaters. They have the same mentality to officials. If you go out there, break every rule, and as soon as you get caught, you scream, yell, holler, throw a fit, like you're red in the face, until you get to these officials to not call these penalties on you, so you can pretty much just cheat your way through the game. Like, what's it like growing up in that house? Like, if every time one of these kids gets in trouble, they just stand there and argue with you. I mean, I couldn't be this kid's dad. I'd probably slap one of them. I mean, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> stop Boy, arguing. Game game Sam. nights must have been a hell of a good time, I tell <laughs> we, you. We didn't have game nights at our house, so I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> Sam, you look like you want to say something. <laughs> Elliot, we're coming to you here in a minute. A little. Uh, Watson needs to make smarter passes. I feel like he's okay. Mm-hmm. He occasionally makes these really dumb passes. Occasionally he'll. <laughs> you mean run. like the reverse to Elijah Moore? Uh, Moore several weeks ago before he got That's injured. Kevin Stefanski's when... fault. Oh no 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 no! That was all on no, the Sean Watson. Kidding. That I'm that one kidding. where he turned around and he tried to throw the ball backwards yeah, to I Elijah know. Moore. That was not. That, that was, was the ball yeah, that play of the year for Deshaun. That was that was oh, yeah. the uh, that was the Tennessee game. I think things okay. worked out all right. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm Sam, I'm kidding. sorry for cutting you off. <laughs> no, okay, okay. Sam. Yeah. Um, I think Desh- occasionally Deshaun will just – I think it was against the 49ers where he rolled out to the left and then threw the ball, and it went like 15 yeah, yards and got intercepted. Plays like that where uh, it's pretty clear that – or maybe it was the Colts game. I'm not, I don't remember exactly. Yeah. It's plays like that where it's clear no one's open and he decides to throw the ball – Crossbody, uh, like ten yards and gets intercepted instead of just throwing it 
out of bounds. It's a, just a loss of downs and you just move on to the next play. Yeah. You'd think that he'd be smarter because he's a veteran. He's been around the league for a while, but then, you know, you just make some of these decisions. The kid's still young. He's in his, you know, all these guys are, you know, mid twenties, 20, you know, and so I got to give him, you know, sometimes it's just immaturity and just being stupid, but, uh, or just being dumb and not, not really like knowing or playing the game the way that they know that they should. It's kind of a lack of focus. Um, you know, you see it at all the levels of sports. You know, I, I coach and, you know, at different levels, middle school, high school, you know, I see it at college, you know, you, in a, you know, Joel, you've played college sports and, you know, there's times where, you know, players will lose their focus and, and uh, that's where the mistakes happen. And if players and coaches are, you know, they're, you're not practicing hard and, and staying focused in practices that carries over to games. I mean, Johnny Manziel, I mean, this guy wouldn't, didn't even read a freaking playbook and he just go out there on Sunday after partying in Vegas and, you know, try to try to play in the NFL. It was crazy. It kind of worked, but anyway, um, Elliot, how how you doing up there? No, well, it's been a great discussion. Um, I, I generally agree with what uh, Sam had to say. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the, the Ravens do have problems on offense. Um, I, I think if you look at their stats, they don't have anybody that's headed towards a 1,000-yard season, either receiving the ball mm. or running the ball. There's ah. too much dependence on Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, you, that's not an offense where you just depend upon the quarterback to be Superman every week and bail them out of trouble. And that that's really right. what the Baltimore writers are complaining about is that they're depending on Lamar Jackson to run the ball, Lamar Jackson yes. to throw the ball. They have really uh, Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews are their main receiving threats. And after that, it's pretty thin. Now, the Browns have the same problem as you guys were alluding to that Amari Cooper is the super wide receiver that comes through week after week after week after week. And after that, it's pretty dicey about who they're going to go to. Uh, we do mm -hmm. have, you know, what I, you know, what I said previously, I really take back. I said that, look, we've got no choice. We've got to go to multiple wide receiver sets because we just don't have a running game. But now I think, you know what? I think Stefanski's mm -hmm. offense is really uh, a possible way out for us where yeah. they use the three tight end formation. They got Dewan Jones who weighs 370 pounds. Now, I love Dewan Jones, man. Back. I love, love him playing this year. Just Yeah. Well, they got the 370 pound guy. Then they put the backup center as a, as another extra tight end. And then they have yeah. another tight end and then they have Ford run behind that. And if he actually runs behind the three tight ends instead of running backwards, then he can make <laughs> yards. And so the question is, okay, Baltimore, what are you going to do to stop it? Now, Baltimore can run the same play because they also have a very big fullback that they can run, and they also know how to run the three tight end offense. So I think you're going to see a lot of that power football mentality express itself on the field on Sunday. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be you, like 1970s football. Odell, now, Odell Beckham, Odell, OBJ, <laughs> I want to know what your uh, thoughts are on 
OBJ because Odell's doing I know better. Well, he's doing better than the last time we saw him. That's what I was going to mention to you because he you was, mentioned that on your was, other show. He was being neglected uh, by Lamar Jackson the first few games. He was yeah. not getting very many targets. What's happening now is that he's not on the field that often. But when he is on the field, like he like he's got like a fifty percent duty cycle or something. But Lamar okay. is targeting him now, and he is catching okay. the ball, so he yeah. is a receiving threat when he's on the field. But he, I don't think that the Ravens feel that they can put him on the field for like eighty percent of the of the the yeah. uh, snaps. Uh, but he is a a larger threat than I thought okay. that he might be. But he's also very his style of you know he likes to freelance just like Johnny Manziel used to like to freelance as the quarterback and Lamar Jackson likes to do that too. Yeah. And those styles are reasonably compatible. Yeah. So, um, you know, like pick I up. Think it's be, yeah. Do you, do you all expect it to be a high scoring affair or a low scoring affair? I, I laugh know. in your general direction. <laughs> you... <laughs> Man, this is the NFL. You never know what's going to happen. Right. You, you exactly. never know. You see games come out with top two defenses, and they're putting up fifty points between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you just you just don't know. Yeah, you know. I mean, no, I, I thought would it was interesting. I know some people were projecting last week that the Browns were going to have this run. The score was going to be like they're going to have forty points. And I know it ended up being twenty-seven to nothing, but that score was zero-zero for a good chunk of the first half, um, mm-hmm. and it really wasn't that high-powered. And I know Sam, you've even talked about it on your show about how the offense for the Browns has, has really struggled. Um, I think you were breaking that down the other day. And when I listened to you, um, where do you, where do you see the Brown? What do you like Sam with this offense and stuff? Do you think that, um, I mean, do you expect it to be the same or do you think the Browns have a better shot this week? I mean, because Baltimore does have a really good uh, defense. It, it, yeah. I think the Baltimore defense is going to uh, give us some struggles. I do think, especially with, uh, the talent we have on the team. I mean, I, I'm going to annoy Joel, Jerome Ford, uh, Amari Cooper, David Njoku, all these players on there. I think if they, it just relies really on Deshaun Watson on how he can play. I feel like, I, yeah, I feel like we have the yeah. talent to beat basically anyone, but with yeah. just how, with how our quarterback hasn't, well, our quarterback room hasn't been very consistent. I think that's what's holding us back. I like that take and cause it kind of goes into like the village Elliot, when you mentioned last week in the show about this Browns team, we are talking about it, but as long as this team has a, a solid defense, it could be a championship team. It, it, it's when you have that defense that can bring it and like they've been doing, I was pretty harsh in them in, you know, in my article last week on Northeast Ohio sports insiders talking about, you know, in crunch time, they didn't need crunch time last week because they just dominated the 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 dreary uh, Cardinals so badly. But um, they Browns should be in it, like you said. Um, let's just switch gear. Uh, final question. Can I, can I add we, one more thing on yeah, that? Yep, yep. Every year the Browns play the Ravens, you should always be looking for that backside power because their defense mm-hmm. is susceptible to the backside power. And if there's only yeah. one thing that Jerome Ford does well is he runs those defined holes. Pin and pull yes. plays, and if you can yes. run one or two to the backside, yes, against the against the weak side of the defense, the Browns have traditionally been able to well, beat Nick them Chubb, up. That yeah, way. think about mm-hmm. some of those yeah. runs that 
Nick has done. Yeah. And, and I most go of back, those are coming on that back, that, that weak side power. Well, and right? that, and that game they played on that uh, Monday night during COVID I was up there at Cleveland stadium, freezing cold December. That, that was a fantastic game back and forth. Kareem hunt. It was going to, who was going to be the final to score in that game, but there was a lot of offense um, in that one. Uh, AFC North, just in general, we've all talked about it this week. If the playoffs started today, all four teams from the AFC North would make it into the playoffs. Um, and uh want to just get everyone's thoughts on that. Do you think that's realistic, Steve? I know we talked about this a little bit last week. Let's start with you first. Um, are you, I mean, it's kind of cool. Uh, do you think that the Browns can be one of those playoff teams? And do you see any of the other AFC North teams uh, not getting there with the Browns? Or do you think the Browns will get there to the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I think they'll get to the playoffs. I don't think mm -hmm. all four will make it. Um, mm -hmm. um, three is a possibility. Uh, the Browns could make it because right now their floor is their defense. Their ceiling is how well Deshaun Watson continues to play. Mm -hmm. uh, and against Baltimore, if, you know, so far this season, uh, when they're inside the, the five-yard line, he's three for three with three touchdowns. When they're mm -hmm. in the red zone, he's eight of nine with five touchdowns. So oh. get him in the red zone, and we're going to score touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So he's just got to get his timing and his feet just a little better. Mm -hmm. uh, he holds on to the ball a little bit too long. That's come along with a rustiness, and he's got to mm -hmm. look for that third wide receiver. I mean, against the Cardinals, nine of his 19 completions went to Njoku and uh, Amari Cooper. Uh, yes. That's great, but you got to have a third or fourth option. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I think they, with this defense, I think they can make the playoffs. Um, we'll see what Baltimore does. Cincinnati's on a hot roll right now, but mm -hmm. they're going to have some tough games here coming up. Uh, Pittsburgh, I just don't know how the hell they are the luckiest team in the well. I think if you NFL, ask Pittsburgh man. fans on the fanatical on the network, yeah, a month ago the they same. wanted to fire Mike Tomlin and trade uh little hands Kenny Pickett. They still want to, they're still unhappy. Yeah. They want to yeah. go undefeated every year or they want to fire Tomlin's. Do you think this hothead team. over there in Pittsburgh, not Pickett, but is it Pickens or Pickett, the wide George receiver? Yeah. What is, I mean, that that kid is just a hot mess, man. Like he's what do you like, expect from a guy from Georgia? No, was, I mean who was the last he was a wide hot receiver? Mess. He was a hot mess in Georgia. I mean, the kid is just I know I'm glad the Browns didn't pick him up. But I just I mean, ugh, it's it's just annoying when you see these players in the NFL and I'll give you another one. And I don't know what you're balls? well, no, here's the other one that just annoys the hell out of me. And he gets a lot of credit because he's supposed to be such a, but professor guy that uh, what's the kid's name. He played for the chiefs and now he's with Miami. Oh, Hill uh, Hill Tyreek uh, Hill Tyreek Hill, Hill. If you listen to any of his stuff or follow any of his stuff on social media, he's just an, <laughs> he's just a jerk. I mean, the guy is just a, a waste of, like if he weren't playing Football, I don't even want to, you know, he wouldn't, I don't know what he'd be doing if he weren't playing Boys football. Boys in the hood, baby. Boys in well, the hood. Well, I mean, it's just like, I, I've never, re I, and, and what really annoys me is you have coaches like Andrew, Andy Reid who are, you know, 
talking positively about this guy. And I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I, I don't know Andy Reid as, and I'm sure Andy Reid's a great coach. I mean, obviously he's championships and all this stuff, but I don't know, just in my personal, just watching things that I've seen Tyreek spew from his mouth. I'm like, how can a coach like that respect? I just don't respect Andy Reid for the fact that he's talking so positively about a guy. Do you, does Andy Reid not see social media and see some of the crap that these guys I mean, I'm sorry. That I'm old school, and it just annoys the hell out of me that these players Doesn't get. Doesn't Andy Reid have a Super Bowl ring? Well, yeah, I know that. But yeah, yeah, yes, he's got a couple. I, he does, but that doesn't mean that he has any. His yes, it does. It does, he, but it's also it's just a. Does. It, but what it, is he it getting does, paid but it's, for? Is he getting it paid does, for but it's it's annoying that these guys are out there. Before out delinquents are winning Super Bowls. I think he but they're, made that. But they're giving they're they're positively promoting these guys who off the field are knuckleheads. And I just think that's just a bad okay it's just a, as long as he doesn't get massages, he's okay. Oh, I'm okay with that. I, I will say Boy. though about the Pittsburgh uh, wide receivers. Talking about rubbing somebody the wrong way. Talk about wide receivers for a second in Pittsburgh. Who was the last good Pittsburgh wide receiver that just wasn't off the it, rocker? A complete jerk. Like come totally off their rocker. Yeah, no, they spend yeah, they're like now, four about, deep now. What they're about Johnson deep there? What is Johnson? Does anybody know about this? That what is it? Deontay Johnson? He seems like it. I mean, he caught a touchdown pass for the first time in God knows who long, you know. What was remember okay, he like I said, when week? was the last good Pittsburgh wide receiver that mm. wasn't just off the wall? Well, Dante Stallworth and Swan. Uh, Lynn Swan. Yeah, that's okay. So we're going back yeah. 50 years. We're going back 50 years for this. Yeah, Pretty yeah, much. that's about right. That, that sounds about right. You got to go yeah. back 50 years before you find the last Pittsburgh wide receiver that was good. That was not a complete a basket season. case. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. there's something in the water over there in Pittsburgh where they're wide receivers because people come too out much, too much lead. I mean, Chase Claypool. Let's talk about Chase Claypool for a second. Good kid at Notre Dame. <laughs> Did what he was supposed to do. Wasn't that great of a football player, but he, you know, he, he got drafted, right? And he's got talent. He goes to Pittsburgh. And I don't know what the heck happened to that kid. He just turned into like, <laughs> what what would happen to him? There's something going on in that, that wide receiver room in Pittsburgh, man. Bad juju. <laughs> All right. Final take. Speaking of juju. Sam, you want, <laughs> Sam, you got something to add there. It looked like you were about ready to say something. Uh, not really. I think the, I think this is definitely a winnable game. I think we definitely have a chance. Yep, absolutely. There's things that can go right. I think there's obviously things that can go wrong, but I don't think the Ravens are an unbeatable team. I don't yeah. think that they are a team that you just can't beat. They might be a complete team and might have some skill on both sides, but I don't think they can't be beaten. I got to give credit too to Kevin Stefanski. I have not, I know, uh, Joel, <gasps> the left guard. It's the big been, one. It's the big one. <laughs> and 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 Steve, you've been um, reminding me how much I'm supposed to hate uh, Mr. Kevin Stefanski, a steady Eddie. But honest, I mean, truly, the guy he has, um, you know, even every one of you has mentioned this about Kevin. And I, I'm just going on what I remember. Joel, you even talked about David Njoku on your show with Elliot um, earlier today on the Browniacs about how David Njoku is being used by Kevin Stavansky and how David Njoku has learned how to block and do these things and how Kevin Stefanski, or at some point, somebody on his coaching staff got to David and said, Hey, if you want to get open, you know, you got to learn how to block. And yeah. I just, you know, Kevin Stefanski, and I think I'm going to give him some credit here going into this game against Baltimore. I'm, 
you know, you think about it, really think about it. Go back to 2020, right? 2020, first game for Kevin Stefanski. What happened? He got, got blown, blown out, out in Baltimore. Comes back, like Steve, you've mentioned, short week on Four a days Thursday later. night. They beat up the Cincinnati Bengals on a Thursday night game. But that progression from then to now, obviously Kevin Stavansky has aged immensely in four years. He doesn't have his nice dark beard. It's now gray. Um, but he's he's working it, and he's helping this team, and he's got a, a coaching staff like Jim Schwartz is the defensive coordinator that are really, I mean, you can kind of get a sense like, you know, I think this is something good. And I don't see well, this game coming up on Sunday being anything like it was several weeks ago when we lost. And the, the, even that game, even though the score said 27 to three, it wasn't like Steve, you mentioned earlier that the Browns were completely, you know, a wreck. Um, there were just things that happened. So, I, I like well, the Browns' chances, Steve. Well, the, well, the one thing Kevin Stefanski doesn't have to worry about, he doesn't have to oversee the defense. He just lets Jim Schwartz do his thing. He doesn't have to oversee the special teams, which I think is still number one in efficiency in the NFL because Bubba Ventrone's doing his thing. What yeah. impressed me against the Cardinals, two things. On the first Browns field goal, the defense committed a penalty, and Kevin Stefanski didn't take the penalty. He kept the points. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, and another thing, after the game was over, even though the running game really wasn't that efficient, I think they averaged like 2.8 yards a carry, he ran the ball the ball 40 times and passed the ball 30 times. I'm now, like, the, okay. Now, he Steve, kept the one, running the now, ball. I just have a question, an observation on that play when you talked on the fourth down and taking the points. When, when they did that and I was in the stadium and I wasn't – privy to what was going on on the tv but i thought on that fourth down it was like a fourth and 11 or fourth and 12 and and then i was a little it, closer than that but still okay, in the so past still it would have been like a fourth or six fourth or five he or something thought about it. he would have thought yeah about it. yeah oh i but remember last year last year and the year before my god it was like one of those running things in the game when you were there at the stadium it's like oh god he's gonna go for it he's, again on fourth down. what the hell go like come it. on like Stop, just take well, points. Especially, you know, we had the next Justin Tucker ready to kick a sure thing field goal, yeah. and we wouldn't do it. That was Stefanski's fault. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Elliot, final final thoughts on the game Sunday. Well, I would predict that it's probably going to be lost by one of the defense or one of the offensive units, either Baltimore's or Cleveland's. Not you know okay. going to be won by the offensive unit. I tell you, I here's here's my okay. here's my bold prediction. I think the Browns are going to get helped out in this game. They're going to win the turnover battle. They're going to get some sort of pick six or something that's going to put him, you know, in a prime position. I think Miles Garrett could get a strip sack or two, deflect a pass or two. Maybe for a third week in a row, we get a helmet deflection that goes <laughs> the positive way. That would be one hell of a record, right? We not only had one, two, but let's go for the <laughs> the third. Uh, the uh, so I'm I'm excited. Uh, yeah, you Elliot, give, well, you want yeah, me to Steve? give give you another weird stat? Love Under yeah. Stefanski, the Browns are fourteen and two when they don't turn the ball over. Wow, that doesn't sound weird at all. No. And they, they didn't turn the ball over last week. So let's the hope, pray to last God. Two you know, you, you think about it. 
I mean, go back to the Pittsburgh game with Deshaun. I mean, my God, that game could not have started out any worse for the Browns. I mean, I know pick pick six to start. uh, Anyway. Um, All right. Final takes. Who have I not hit? Uh, Joel, have you any final thoughts? So this is going to make you all just like want to fall over dead. Um, I think (laughs) Jerome Ford will have a good game. Wow. Wow. And I'm going to say this because I think I I trust in Kevin Stefanski Stefanski to be smarter than the average NFL coach and understand that you can't give this body the ball on first down, but the Ravens defense is susceptible to power plays, right? They're built to stop outside zone plays. So if you're not running the outside zone plays and you're forcing them to stop powers, when you, you know, pull Batonio yeah. and get to yeah. hit an outside linebacker instead of a defensive end, you can get people that, that gives Jerome Ford a defined hole that he can run through and run right. fast through. So if they use him in that way, he could have a big game. Okay. I like wow. it. I like it. Um, right. Guys. I want to, again, just promote everybody here and say, thank you for being here on the fanatical elves show. We've reached an hour, which is awesome. We had a lot to talk about. Thank you for tuning in on Apple and Spotify. We got Sam, our young and rising superstar podcaster down there in Dallas, who's bringing it every week with the Browns uh, breakdown. Sam, uh, where can people find you? Uh, basically everywhere except for Apple because I don't use Apple products and I don't want to try and figure out how to do that. Well, we got you on Apple with our Fanatical and <laughs> Elves Network. Oh, so you're, yeah, you're on your Yeah, stuff. you're, you're yeah, out there yeah. with us, man. <laughs> Yeah, You're everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we, we enjoy all of your family and friends uh, downloading our shows. Spread the love. Find some more Browns fans. Convert them, man, Sam. You got to convert them down there in Dallas. Tell them that they're following the wrong teams, and they're following baseball teams that are cheaters. Okay. Um, thanks, Sam. <laughs> uh, Joel. Joel brings it every week with the what the elf was that, like what the elf was that. Browniacs with um, – the uh, village Elliot up there and, uh, and a surprise appearance tonight on the fanatical elves show. Thank you, Joel. Where can the people find you again? Uh, on that thing called X Yeah. at the left guard. I will say that Elliot and I have really hit our stride on the Cleveland Brownie X. I mean, I think we finally got that all together, figured out what we are and what we're about. And we are really kind of, gotten a good little debate show going on he brings the analytics i bring the football and uh you know it was a great conversation i forget what you were you really got engaged uh in the other the show earlier today i I would encourage everybody to tune in to that uh steve gill down there in nashville tennessee he's always bringing that outside cleveland perspective because he's a browns backer and he knows what browns fans are are feeling and uh outside of the outside of the city of cleveland and uh He's bringing the Dog Pound South show on every uh, – we have it on, running on Mondays, and oftentimes he's part of our pre- and post-game show. How can people find you? And Steve's a loyal – he's always constantly sharing uh, – follow this guy on you know the X and everywhere else because he has – and he writes you know, Cleveland Sports Talk. Steve, where can we find you? Uh, I refuse to call it X, so it's going to be Twitter. At at Seatown Thug. Uh, also, uh, like you said, I write for ClevelandSportsTalk.com. Also, you can find me on on that ancient device called Facebook. Uh, also, where I uh, do my uh, my blog every Monday, as well as my podcast, uh, Cle- uh, DogPoundSouth.net. 
And like you said, I'm always willing to do a pregame and a postgame show. So we love it. And and Steve has run a few shows on his own here on the, on the uh, beyond just the dog pound South. So I appreciate all your help with that. Uh, we also have our, the village Elliot, who is the Oracle speaks host. Now uh, where can we, Oh, Oh, we've got some uh, um, we're sharing out here. Uh, <laughs> um, I was a little worried find... there for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Where can we, where can we find you? Um, uh, uh, before we uh, talk about happy birthday to Odell Beckham Jr. Um, well, yeah, uh, happy birthday, Odell Beckham Jr. And uh, Kim Kardashian attended his party, and hopefully she'll attend the football game because the uh, legend is that she's bad luck when she when she attends the uh, sporting events uh, of her boyfriend. So we'll, we'll ah, she's the anti-Taylor Swift. Mm, yes, there you go. The anti-Swift. We, we should have a Kardashian and Taylor Swift show or something like like I'm, oh my I'm, god. I'm all over no. it, man. Let's no. do a celebrity. You do, you do not want to get the Swifties mad at you, John. Uh, they won't be mad. They, won't be mad. they will love it. They will love me for it. It'll be great. <laughs> but anyway, hey, I uh, yeah, yeah, I'm at, at TH Village Elliot. Uh, on Twitter, that would be just fine. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Next time I'll do uh, the Swifties and uh, I'd love to hear that on your Oracle Speaks. Like, I want I'm gonna tune into that. Hey guys, thanks for joining us here on the Fanatical Elves Network on Thursday night. We appreciate you. Uh, enjoy your rest of your week. Let's hope the Browns get out there, play tough, play play as hard as they can, and come away with a big win Sunday. We'll be having a pregame show. Some of us will be on that. We'll hopefully have a really good post-game victory uh, Monday show. So tune in the rest of the week. I'll have my Johnny Cleveland podcast coming up tomorrow and the Browns Blitz with Rod Bloom tomorrow as well. Take care, everybody. Have a good night. And go Brownies. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Browns. Oh, I got to find my music. Where's my music? Okay, bye. (laughs) 